You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Hi, everyone. Um, so we are in Acts um, chapter 17, starting at verse 1. Um, and it says, When Paul and his companions had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they put Jason and the others on bail and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowd and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Good morning. I'm John, one of the leaders here. Um, This morning we continue our series in the book of Acts. And um, the topic, the title is The People of the Book. And my pictures on the screen there on the left is Thessalonica. And on the right is Berea, or some of the ruins of them. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things out of your word. Amen. What is truth? How do we know something is true? If we believe something sincerely... Does that make it true? 
about, I suppose, 25 years ago, my son David, who has a degree in archaeology, while he was studying at Durham University, they, they had a visiting lecturer who maintained that everyone's interpretation of evidence was equally true. At question time, the lecturer was rather thrown when one of the student, students asked if, having decided that the ancient Egyptians did not have the know-how or technical ability to build the pyramids, was it all right to say in his essay that they were built by aliens? <laughs> More recently, I came across something posted on one of these local neighbourhood websites. You know, it's normally, have you seen my lost cat and can anyone recommend an electrician? But occasionally someone posts something of a more philosophical nature. <coughs> and it read, if your own truth changes through different phrases of your life, the original opinion no longer exists. Truth equals opinion? And also in the Times fairly recently, a couple of Saturdays ago, 4th of February, um, an article about a professor of history at Cambridge who was complaining that the present attitude to truth was leaving open um, the door to critical theory, which led to things like Holocaust denial. And he quoted a recent book, Whatever the cause, my memory is my memory. It does what it does. There's just as much truth in what I remember and how I remember it as there in, is in so-called objective facts. Anyone guess the author of the book? Yeah, you've got it, Prince Harry. Why am I talking about truth? Where do we go to truth? And are there different types of truth? Well, unless you're being investigated by HMRC, your bank statement will tell you the truth about your financial situation. But what about more complex matters, like uh, the state of the nation's finances? What about areas of ethics and morality? Do we listen to the experts, the TV, the radio, Newspapers, social media, is the internet reliable? What about Google or Wikipedia? Can we trust them? How much is fact? How much is interpretation? And if the facts don't mix, fit our belief, can we ditch the facts? What is truth today? Christians appeal to the Bible as a source of truth the ultimate source of truth. Why do we do that? Because we believe it's God's word for us. God's word back then, God's word for us today. It explains why the world is as it is and why we are as we are. It tells us of creation, how sin came into the world infecting everything, it then tells us what God has done about the problem. What has he done? He sent his son Jesus to be born, to live, to die. His death, death is the sacrifice which takes away our sin if we repent and believe. 
as one of the most famous verses in the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what does this talk of truth have to do with the passage which was read just now? So let's turn to the tale of two cities, Thessalonica and Berea. For Paul, perhaps you could say where they were the best of times and the worst of times. See if it works. As we heard last week, Paul, Silas and companions had traveled from Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and had reached Europe, Greece to be exact. Could we have the map of, uh, if it will pop up? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, they'd gone to Philippi up there in the north, and this week they moved on to Thessalonica and Berea. They'd left Philippi in somewhat of a hurry. They went along the Via Ignatia, that's the Roman equivalent of the M4, and arrived in Thessalonica, which was another substantial city. Okay, thanks, guys. Paul, anxious to preach the gospel, headed to the synagogue, as he normally did. He knew he, as a Jew, would at least get a hearing there. Okay, for us, when we're talking about Jesus, perhaps a good place to start might be anywhere where we're known and where our friends and acquaintances might be willing to listen. But this morning, though, I want to concentrate on what Paul said. And this may be a pattern for us as we're sharing Jesus with people. Paul assumed that the six scriptures were God's word and as such were true. Now, if you want to talk about that afterwards, come and have a word with me. But that was Paul's assumption, and that would be the assumption of most of his hearers in the synagogue on those three Sabbaths when he was um, sharing with them. And there are three elements in Paul's preaching, and I've got them here. He reasoned from the scriptures, explaining and proving this Jesus I am proclaiming. The Bible, or at least the Old Testament scriptures, were his starting point. As I've said, his hearers would be on the same wavelength. They heard God speaking to them through the scriptures. But what about our hearers? Many don't know the Bible, and fewer would accept it's the word of God. Perhaps we need to start a stage further back as we talk to people. Without necessarily quoting directly from the Bible, we need to tell the story I mentioned a little bit earlier at the beginning. The story of creation. The story of the fall. God working through his chosen people to bring redemption through sending his son. But always what God has told us through his word is the bedrock of our belief, the bedrock of our proclamation. We will also find that if we get folks to engage with the text of Scripture itself, that people's lives will be touched. A former colleague of mine uh, in his youth was on a road trip through the USA, the Greyhound bus station. He picked up a copy of John's Gospel, which was lying around, and started to read it. 
and subsequently became a Christian. Paul reasoned from the scriptures. Reasoning is an interesting word. He didn't just throw random text or messages at them or passages. He took them through the relevant scriptures in a systematic sort of way. Now, do you remember the Lord Jesus, after his resurrection, met with two disciples on the road to Emmaus? And Luke says, as they walked along, beginning with with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus himself is our example here. And Paul was following the example of Jesus. We don't know what passages Paul used here. Probably the sum in the psalm, Psalm 2, 1 to 7, Psalm 16, 8 to 11. I haven't haven't got time to read them this morning. And almost certainly Isaiah 52 and 53, the suffering servant. So he worked his way from creation all the way through the Old Testament, explaining to his Jewish hearers how this pointed to the Messiah. (coughs) Secondly, though, he had to explain to his hearers what the scriptures really taught about the Messiah, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. That's verse 3a. There's quite a well-known definition of the word evangelical, which goes like this. One who regards the Bible as the final authority in matters of faith and doctrine and conduct and central to the scriptures is the death and resurrection of Jesus to take away the sins of his people. That was what the Messiah was about. I think Paul would have been happy with that description. As he opened up the scriptures in that synagogue in Thessalonica, he was explaining and proving what? That the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. That is central to the scriptures, the death and resurrection of the Messiah. Paul and the other apostles elsewhere always majored on that. It seems that contemporary Judaism was expecting a different sort of Messiah, one who would be a national deliverer in the here and now, freeing them from Roman rule. Paul shows that the scriptures show a suffering servant Messiah, not a conquering hero Messiah in worldly terms. For us too, in the end, we need to come back to telling people from the book that the death and resurrection of Jesus is necessary to free them from the tyranny of sin. This brings me to the third aspect of Paul's teaching and proclamation. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Paul identifies the Messiah as Jesus. Now that's not something his audience would accept. At this point in history, the Gospels as we know them weren't written. But there were plenty of eyewitnesses to the Lord Jesus who were still around and could tell the details of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. Today, we've got the Gospels which show us Jesus. 
let's encourage people to see for themselves as they read about him. Yesterday, I was helping run the Christian bookshop in Bolton. I do occasionally. The manager was out um, doing a bookstore. And we had gentlemen come in with a toddler and looked at the Bible section. Said, Those are the Bibles there. Oh, yeah, yes. And he said, well, I'm just starting to think about this sort of stuff. Can you help me with the Bible? Now, I didn't serve him. One, um, Gene, one of the volunteers who was helping did. Uh, but I was pleased when... Having sold him a Bible, she says, where you want to start is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they'll tell you about Jesus. Great. Spot on. Jesus says central. Let's get people to read about Jesus, think about Jesus. Let's encourage them to see for themselves who he is and what he's done. Jesus is central, our Savior and Lord, but also our friend and brother. Are you all Jesus' followers? Do you know he's taken away your sin and given you new life? I mean, following Jesus doesn't remove all the problems all at once. And some of the things he may ask of you are not easy. But in everything, he is your friend and brother. Preaching always has an effect, and that's true in Thessalonica. I love this verse. Um, Luke puts it so well but other Jews were jealous so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace formed a mob and started a riot (laughs) as you do what was their complaint the older English translation as verse 6 read these men who turned the world upside down Probably better translation is, though, the one in the NIV. These men who caused trouble all over the world. Our message has a potential to cause trouble, and not everyone uh, may accept it because it challenges their beliefs, what they hold dear. It's not fashionable to say there is such a thing as objective truth. Paul and Silas leave in a hurry, after dark, perhaps to take the pressure off Jason and the other believers. They'd been bound over to keep the peace. Leaving the Via Ignatia, they head southwest to Berea. Here in Berea, yep, where do they head for? The synagogue, as normal. But Luke here doesn't tell us anything about Paul's message at Berea, but we can assume it was very similar to that in Thessalonica. In Berea, it's a reaction of Paul's hearers which interests Luke, and he tells us about two things to note. They received the message with great eagerness. And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Here was open-minded listening. Here in Paul's message was the answer to the hopes and expectations of all the Jews looking for God to come to his people. Here is good news today which can be received with joy and eagerness. The burden of sin and guilt can be lifted 
and with that a new life, both now and for all eternity. What's not to like? And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As Chris has said earlier, don't just take the preacher's word for it. If anything I say, or Chris or any of the others who preach from here, get it wrong, however small, come and have a quiet chat with us. Come and dispute it from the scriptures. Argue from the scriptures. But check it out for yourselves. But what about our individual attention to the Bible? Are we searching the scriptures? Yeah, we discuss scripture in the growth groups. Get involved with the growth group. And it's normally looking at the passage from Sunday. Actually, do you read the passage before you come on a Sunday morning? Yeah, I normally do. It's a good thing to do. Gets your mind thinking about what we're going to be covering in the morning service. Do you read the Bible for yourself during the week? The Bereans examine the scriptures every day. If at all possible, it's good practice to adopt. Bible reading every day. There are Bible reading notes, Bible guides and commentaries to help you understand what you're reading. Again, have a chat with Chris or myself or someone else, one of the other elders, if you want some guidance how to go about it. But don't just read your favorite book or your favorite passage, but branch out into less familiar uh, areas so you start to get to know the whole of the Bible. If again, I might quote a personal example. During lockdown, I decided I really hadn't got to grips with the book of Leviticus. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> so I decided I'd better get to grips with the book of Leviticus. And actually, with the aid of a, a commentary, Bible Speaks Today, the message of Leviticus, I found it quite interesting and quite enlightening. So branch out, get to know the whole of the scripture. Yeah, I, I know it can be difficult if you've got young families or a busy work schedule, but try it. Try and give it a go, however little or however much. Read it daily. Why? Well, I mean, you know 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3. From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus purpose of scripture will make you wise for salvation a source of knowing how we can be saved but then for the believer all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work so as we grow as christians let's Base that growth on scripture, knowing what it says to us, knowing how it guides our lives, knowing how it shapes our understanding, and knowing how it brings us closer to the Lord Jesus, and understanding God's purposes in the Lord Jesus. Back to Thessalonica and Berea, we're almost finished. While there was those who believed in the cities... 
I think Luke wants to show us those two different reactions to God's word. As we're witnessing, as we tell people about Jesus, we will get differing reactions. Some will say, wow, like it, tell me more. Others will say, what a load of rubbish. But don't let that stop you. Don't give up because it's God himself who applies his words to people's hearts and brings them to faith. The troublemakers of Thessalonica arrive in Berea to stir up more trouble. But Paul gives them the slip. He was probably down the marketplace handing out tracts. The believers take him to the coast and then on to Athens, probably by sea. Silas and Timothy stay behind in Berea for the moment. The new church was not left without teachers and leaders, though Paul sent a message for them to join him in Athens later. So this week I leave you in Berea. Keep Scripture central. Jamie, Hawaii. Keep scripture central, keep preaching the word, keep telling them about Jesus. And next week, Chris is going to take us on to Athens. Amen. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk